All right. This morning is Baptism of the Lord's Sunday. Uh, and I think last year we talked about the, uh, the actual baptism text. And this week we're going to look at the Old Testament text for Baptism of the Lord's Sunday. And it's Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. Andy's going to be passing out index cards. And we'll get to that some point in the future. Um, in the meantime, though, we're going to read together Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. This morning, we're going to read it in the message, and it's printed in uh, the bulletin, or there's uh, Bibles in the, in the back of the pews. Let's read this together. But now, God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the God who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you're mine. When, you, when you're in head, over your head, I will be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end, because I am your God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt uh, with rich uh, Cush and Siba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. I'll round up all your scattered children, pull them in from the east and the west, and I'll send orders north and south. Send them back. Return my son from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I want them back, everyone, every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. Yes, personally formed and made each one. This amp is popping over here and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> All right, so this morning, uh, I want to take, I don't think I've ever talked about uh, Isaiah here at Mission Hills. So this is kind of fun for me. Uh, I wrote the, my last college paper on uh, Isaiah. And actually, recently, my parents moved to a, a house in Denver. And they have just tons of my old like childhood stuff. And I found this paper uh, there. So if anybody's interested, I have I have a copy if you if you want to read my final college paper on on Isaiah, but alas, uh, this is not the same text. So this morning, I want us to look at this text in its relation to baptism, in order to see the biblical view and the human experience uh, for change and transformation in our lives. Yeah, go for it. Um. I would say, yeah, go ahead and capitalize it. Yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a good question, though. So baptism, uh, like many ancient rituals and rites of passage, um, involves this uh, act of symbolizing uh, death and, and new life. Um, when John baptizes people in, in the Luke text for this morning, uh, it's the purpose is life transformation. A baptism is, symbolizes an awakening moment. It proclaims that you are no longer who you once thought you were. You are not the trauma that you experienced. You are not the pain that you've suffered. 
Uh, you are not your insecurities. You are not your fears. Uh, at your truest essence in being, you are loved. And when Jesus comes out of the water, uh, there's a voice that says, you are my beloved. You are, my lo- uh, you, you are dearly loved. Uh, many have called this uh, the concept of original blessing uh, in contrast to original sin. Uh, you might, if you've spent any time in, in church, have heard uh, the idea of original sin, uh, which is everybody is born sinful, there's nothing you can do about it, and uh, what baptism proclaims what is most true, which is the orison- original blessing, that you are loved. You are not all, these, uh, all the pain and suffering that you have experienced. Um, so in the gospel text this morning, we even recognize uh, when John the Baptist goes to baptize Jesus, uh, he even has his own insecurities, right? Does anybody know the story? What does he say? He says, like, I'm not worthy, right? I'm not worthy to, to baptize you. You know, you're, you're Jesus. I'm just, I'm just John. I'm just this guy out in the desert. And Jesus is like, no, baptize me. You know, John carries around this deep insecurity that he's somehow not good enough to baptize Jesus. And perhaps we have our own fears and anxieties and insecurities today. And what baptism does, uh, among other things, is an experience that symbolizes the transformation that you are not what you thought you were, and you are not what you've been through. So John, John, you know, uh, baptizes Jesus. Um, I think largely our culture seeks to do everything possible to ignore or suppress uh, these fears, anxieties, uh, painful experiences that we've all had. We try to um, buy things. I was watching Colbert last night, and uh, Colbert had uh, 50 Cent on, and 50 Cent bought himself four four cars for Christmas, bought himself four, he bought himself a, a Lambo, Ferrari, and two Rolls Royces. Uh, are in, you know, people laugh and it's, it's actually kind of comical, but um, we're very good at trying to purchase away our, our pain or purchase away our anxiety. Um, we try to do everything we can to, to suppress these traumas, these fears, and the, the pain that we've experienced in our life. Um, Baptism Sunday, uh, teaches us that there's an element of liminal space that's necessary in order for us to each face the painful experiences or maybe the fears that we still have in order to make it through into actually the pattern of transformation is to actually go through a threshold experience of suffering, whether that's the symbol, symbolization of uh, death and resurrection and, and baptism, or if it's... Uh, any other kind of liminal space. I think good, healthy Christian community um, would do well to seek to create spaces for transformation. It's a, uh, Richard Rohr says, uh, this is a, a teachable space. It's a, liminal space is, is one of the most teachable spaces. Uh, Lemon, uh, the word actually means threshold. Um, we must take ourselves to the threshold in order to enter a new space. And baptism embraces the counterintuitive thinking uh, that requires the death and renewal. Uh, but the trick is, is staying long enough in a liminal space, a, a space outside of our comfort zone, right? So we can, we can get on our phone. Like, we're really great at just getting on our phones, uh, especially, um, you know, if we have a smartphone. We're really easy to pull that up. 
to get on Instagram or Facebook, just a way of like numbing out, right? Like it's so easy to pull that up and we don't have to deal, even if it's for just two minutes or five minutes or whatever, we don't have to deal what's going on in our lives. We're very good at, at numbing um, out. But liminal space, if we can stay there long enough, is a threshold that is an invitation into a new, um, a, a new experience of the divine. Uh, Richard Rohr says this, nothing fresh or creative will normally happen when we are inside of our self-constructed comfort zones. Nothing fresh or creative will normally happen when we are inside our self-constructed comfort zones. The path of love and the path of suffering seem to be the two paths of transformation. The path of love and the path of suffering seem to be the two paths of transformation. Anne Lamott, has anybody read Anne Lamott? She's one of my favorite. She's one of my favorite writers. She's so funny. Um, she clues in on this idea, and she's, she's humorous. So it's, it's great. She said, periods in the wilderness or desert are not lost time. You might find life, wildflowers, fossils, sources of water. I wish there were shortcuts to wisdom and self-knowledge, uh, cutter abysses, three-day spa, wildernesses experiences. Sadly, it just doesn't work this way, so I resent this. In order to baptize our pain, our loss, our trauma, fears, anxieties, it requires us to face the reality of those fears and anxieties, perhaps through liminal spaces. This is how we remember and discover the message from Isaiah that is deeply true, that we are actually loved. If our pain is not transformed, we will not be either. Suppressing or ignoring these traumas, suffering, pain, um, occurs both in our society and in Christianity. Um, this largely leads to untransformed people. And then we perpetuate, yeah? Oh, sure, thanks. Thanks, Amy. So when we're untransformed, it leads to the habitual self-destructive patterns. They'll just keep repeating if we're, if we, uh, if we're not transformed. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, the author, was on Rob Bell's podcast this week, and I was really struck by her talking about the loss of her uh, best friend and partner who died last year. So Elizabeth Gilbert was taking care of her, her partner, and she passed away about a year ago. And she was recalling her experience over the last year um, living without her best friend. And she had said that she has not gone a single day in the last year without dancing. Uh, that that was her way to move through the grief, was to continue dancing. It's the counterintuitive response that through our pain, we can actually find joy. When it seems like things are most bleak, it's where we can actually dig deep in those spaces and find the most hope. And she said that she, um, she had a book due and she had asked for an extension for the publisher so that she could spend time to, to grieve the loss of her best friend. And uh, the publisher said, no, you've, got, you've got, got six months. And so she was forced to write this story that is a story of, of joy and the experience of adventure in her darkest days. She was forced to go deep within herself as a, a counterintuitive protest to her pain and suffering to actually go to that space to find 
a deep well of joy that she actually had. And that's an experience of finding original blessing in the midst of suffering and pain, or what would be maybe considered original sin, um, why, thing, why bad things happen for no reason. So creating spaces for transformation um, is one of the roles of, of healthy spirituality, but it requires the creation of these spaces um, and therefore invites a certain degree of suffering because we have to, we have to face these, um, these pains and anxieties. Uh, it's an embracing of the tension of life. It's easy to attach to illusions, buy things to make us happy, turn on Netflix to drown out the tensions that we have to embrace, but we won't find happiness in these instinctual needs, these instinctual actions. If we suppress the tensions in life, the traumas or pain will linger in our subconscious and then manifest in unhealthy ways in our life. Welcome to Mission Hills. Uh, what must, must be distinguished is that this type of suffering is a movement through pain and anxiety, fear. Um, it's creating a space in order for us to come face to face with these realities um, so that we can find out that we're not defined by these realities. There is a deeper flow and meaning to the universe in your life that is not determined by your experiences, your pain, or your loss. I love this this poem, this love uh, poem in Isaiah 43. Baptism uh, as a spiritual ritual has the ability to remind us of what is most true, that in the midst of sin, suffering, pain, we are loved. Isaiah depicts the path for human transformation. It's an acknowledgement of how things actually are, original blessing over original sin. Uh, but this requires that space for transformation. It requires uh, the dark night. It requires facing your pain and your suffering in order to find a well of hope in the midst of that. So it requires Jacob wrestling all night with the angel. Moses meets God in a burning bush after killing a guy. The Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. Job loses everything and has to discover meaning in the midst of loss. Jesus fasts for 40 days in the desert. Peter has to walk on water in order to believe. John the Baptist moves into the wilderness to proclaim the, the new kind of kingdom. Jesus has to suffer tremendous pain and even death in the midst of his own doubts in order to pro proclaim good news for all people. Paul is blinded for three days and goes without food and drink in order to be transformed by Christ. Monks, spiritual teachers, mystics, they all lead the same path. In Christianity, this is called the way of the cross. Um, it's the pattern of, uh, of our ancient faith that there is in this way of the cross um, path for transformation. Anne Lamott writes this, to heal, it seems we have to stand in the middle of the horror at the foot of the cross and wait out another suffering where that person can see us. To be honest, it sucks. It's, it's the worst, she goes, it's the worst. Even if you are the mother of God. I think this is why uh, much of Christianity today sucks. It reduces God to idol worship. Church and religion become about crowds, attendance, loud music. 
And it, either, it often either involves uh, shame-based fear theologies that tell you you're not good enough for God, so you need to repent, or it's feel-good nonsense that doesn't allow you space to be truly transformed in your pursuit of life. Uh, Dante wrote this, Midway in life's journey, I awoke to find myself in the dark. We need space for honesty about our lives in order to experience grace, in order to experience healthy community, that hopefully healthy community opens space to confront our anxieties and fears. If I'm okay and you're okay and we're all okay, then why are we here? But if you're a terrible sinner and we all need Jesus because we're not worthy, we will always be trapped living with guilt and shame. And that's just bad. That's just bad Christianity. In baptism, you come through the water. It requires getting a little wet, or if you're Claudia, getting hit by a wave. But what this text, the biblical narrative, the way of the cross, the story of Jesus, the story of the early Christians, what, it, what, they, what their lives tell us is that we were meant to live, and we were meant to be set free, that we were meant to, be, to live free lives. Paul writes in the New Testament that actually living in Christ is freedom. It is for freedom Christ set you free. So yeah, there's systematic anxiety that plagues all of us. We're often not in control of our, our health or our jobs or what's happening with, the, uh, with our climate. There's a reality of personal anxiety that we all face. But you and I were meant to live, to live deep, to pursue your fullest potential through love for all things and all people. When Jesus invites his disciples into uh, a life of poverty and simplicity, his invitation is into a deep trust in, lo in a love beyond fear, anxiety, and circumstance. It is the deepest affirmation and trust in this life right here. Our text this morning says it like this. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you. I've called your name, your mine. When you're, in over in your, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end, because I am your God, your personal God. From the end of the last chapter to this message, there is a move from pain, sin, suffering, abandonment, to this message of love. It is a movement from uh, perhaps what we would say is original sin to original blessing. Seeing the circumstances that the Israelites are in, um, abandoned, isolated, exiled from their home, and yet in, in chapter 43, they're reminded of who they really are, called, individually loved, original blessing. It's a, it's a move from, from pain uh, and violence to healing. Strangely, it's, it, it's through facing our, our fear, our shame, our anxiety, our insecurities, that we can remember what is most true, the core of our being, which is divine love. Original blessing. We are meant to find purpose and meaning, which means 
which happens in the midst of rough waters or when we're between a rock and a hard place. What we see in the Isaiah text in its correlation to baptism is the power of lasting transformation, human transformation. It's our ability to see our own destructions and our own pain and move through it rather than ignore it, suppress it, or use Jesus as a divine scapegoat so that we can no longer feel guilty about it. Peter Rollins uh, considers this movement through pain and tension is a better way to understand the Christian phrase forgiveness of sins, right? Forgiveness of sins. He writes this, uh, the evidence of forgiveness of sin is not found in a profession of belief, but in a life freed from self-destructive pursuits, scapegoating, and violence. Not in a profession of belief, but in a life freed from self-destructive pursuits, scapegoating, and violence. Joy, life, and, and a passion for life oddly require the way of the cross, a suffering path. It requires facing the rough waters of life, which is to say, simply embracing the tensions of life. So this morning, maybe, maybe as we contemplate um, our baptisms, or imagine a baptism today as a, as a living affirmation for what is most true about our divine being, let us create space to follow Christ, to grow in Christ, uh, through the way of the cross, which expands our capacity for love. So uh, we all have cards, right? Does everybody have a card? Do you want a card, Philip? You can have mine. Do you have a pen? So we're going to take a few minutes. And on one side of the card, um, we're each going to, you need a card? In the back? No, you're good. Um, we're each going to take a moment to write uh, a fear, an anxiety, uh, an insecurity maybe, um, maybe a pain that we've experienced on one side of the card. can be any of those, but um, we're going to write something that um, is, a, is a pain that we have, an anxiety that we have. Um, and on, on the other side of the card, we're going uh, to write this. That's how much I love you. I'd sell the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. You don't have to write the, the whole thing, but if you want to, um, you can. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Uh, so we'll take a few minutes to do this, um, and then I'll, I'll come back and, and close this.
question. So hopefully, as we um, close this morning and we go about our Sundays, um, these cards can be a small reminder of uh, the things that we we need to face, the the realities of um, the messages that we we live with, the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, and what is deeper, what is really true beyond our experiences, beyond our circumstances, beyond our pain, that we, w- we have the capacity for greater and greater love, that we are all growing in Christ um, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our uh, mistakes and our sins and our mishaps, that we're all on a journey together. Um, but it's through, facing, uh, it's through facing the rough waters Um, that we discover our greater capacity for love. Let's pray. Loving God, um, we are um, humbled and grateful and um, oftentimes uh, broken about the the suffering of our world. Um, So many that we, we see um, living in, in dire conditions around the world, uh, and it breaks us. We don't know how to often deal with so much pain and suffering. May we be m- reminded in the midst of these tensions uh, that you are love, even if we don't feel it, even if we don't sense it, uh, that we have, uh, we have a deep capacity for love in you. Uh, may we find it in each other. May we find it in ourselves. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.